Good morning. Good morning. <clears throat> this is Eshin Brenda Shoshana, back with another episode of Zen Wisdom for Your Everyday Life. And we are working on a series, Simple Steps to Sanity. <laughs> and actually, Zen practice is just that. Reclaiming living from our original sanity. And we are all, all originally clear, sane, whole, happy, and yet, and yet, the sea of desires, the mad mind, the illusions of our senses all combine in the very dramatic, and the conditioning of the world we live in, all, they all combine in a very vital, virulent way <clears throat> to present us with other alternatives, other ways of thinking, living, feeling, being. And so our original sanity, our clarity, our love, our, our joy in life is wiped away like a typhoon coming, brum, wiping it away. And, and in a sense, we could say, well, why, why, why? What's the point of this? Why do we go through this? our deepest hopes and prayers wiped out, our loved ones turning away. Why? And that's a, that's a koan. That is the koan. Why? Why? You know, in Zen we have koans, and they're wonderful, wonderful koans from that's gateless gate, from entangling vines, many, many, many great koans. But this is the most essential koan, and it's right from our life itself, and it's why? Why? What is this? What's the point of it? What am I doing? What am I not doing? Why is there this confusion? Why? It's a very powerful question. Why? Why? But as with all koans, as with every single koan, it cannot be answered logically intellectually, conceptually, no, no, no. You can't, and though we spend our entire life trying to figure it out, of course, that's what we do. That's how the mind is set. We think, 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 and think that our mind is so much more powerful than anything else, and it can give us the answers we want, the direction we want, the love we want, the guidance we want. That's what we think, and that contributes, unfortunately, to even more chaos, even more delusion and confusion by turning again and again and again to the mind, the mind, the mind, the thoughts, the ideas, the beliefs. And in a sense, we think we are know-it-alls. <laughs> the mind does, not we. The mind thinks it knows everything. Trust me, it says. I'll show you. I'll tell you. I'll grab your koans and I'll figure them out. That's what the mind does. It's funny how it says it will grab your koans, the questions that life gives you. The mind will grab it. Now, that's an interesting way of thinking of it because it points to the fact that the mind has a life of its own. And we differentiate in that statement the mind and you, implying, inferring that you the one who is given this koan, the one who was grappling with it, the one who was moved and touched 
is not the mind. You are not the mind. Wow, that's a huge, huge statement and a huge insight. And actually, when we do Zazen, we do Zazen, we, we can really see that. Because as we sit still, don't move, the mind keeps erupting. I like that word for them. It erupts. Erupts with this idea, that memory, this suggestion, and then it goes away. And then it erupts. Now, now, who is the one who is watching all this? Who is the one who is experiencing this? Where does the mind go to? And aren't you still here when the mind is quiet, thank God, finally? In fact, we say, oh my goodness, what a relief. My mind is quiet for a little while. Some people even think that meditation practice and zazen practice is here for the purpose of quieting the mind. And that is laughable, actually. It's laughable because essentially the mind is the mind. It can't be quieted. Sometimes it's quiet. But we can see through the mind, see what it really is, and not be tossed about by it. If you're just going to live your life or do your practice constantly trying to quiet the mind, you're going to just be putting all your energy into that and not into living this beautiful, glorious, fun, enjoyable life. So it's a very interesting distinction between quieting the mind and seeing through it, seeing what it really is. One of the big torments that we go through is believing that we are the mind. So if we have these awful memories come up or stories where the mind is, the mind is telling us, it loves to tell stories. It loves to disrupt. It loves to agitate. It's, that's the nature of the mind. So when it begins to happen and we are experiencing it, we feel, oh my God, not only do we believe it and listen to it, but much more lethally, we feel we are it. We are those memories. We are those memories. We are those negative thoughts. We are that anger that can come upon us. But no, 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 you're not. You're not. You're not. That's just an experience you're having. It's just something being tossed up by the mind at you. You know how the ocean, the waves come in, they go out. Sometimes they bring in a lot of flotsam and jetsam onto the shore. I used to love when I was a young girl sitting on the rocks. I could sit on those rocks for hours and watching the waves come in and out and in and out. Sometimes they were very gentle. Nothing much came on the shore. Other times they would bring, bring in all kinds of debris. It was interesting watching that. To me, I found that so interesting and so reassuring. I don't know why it was so reassuring, but now I can understand more why. But nevertheless, it's really similar to the waves of mind. Sometimes maybe the waves are a little lower. Other times there's a storm. And other times so much is debris is brought up onto our life and onto the shore. We are shown, we are experiencing all kinds of things. And then we become very frightened, very tense, very hopeless, scared. We be actually caught in the waves at that point, very much caught in the waves. It's important to describe this process so that we can extricate ourselves from it.
The first step in extricating oneself is actually seeing clearly what it is. And it's not just you or me or them. It's, it's universal. So we don't have to feel guilty about it, bad about it. We just have to become awake, clear. The, the, and often the word enlightened is used, and that word is used and misused in many, many ways. Oh, he's enlightened, she isn't. And it's not really a word to be bantered about like that, because one moment we can be very clear, another moment we can be very foggy. Enlightenment, as everything else, comes and goes. Clarity comes and goes until or unless and I don't want to create some goal or image here, but it can happen for some, probably very few. I don't know. I've never taken a, a poll. But there is within us the possibility of seeing through our lives, seeing it, seeing it, knowing it so deeply, so fully that the waves may not come at all, or they may be very sporadic, or they may be very gentle. That's not the purpose, truly. The purpose is not to be tossed about by these waves, <clears throat> to see them for what they are, to know that we are not the debris that gets thrown into our life, to know that this world is really so beautiful and holds so much wonder and growth and meaning for all of us. It does. That's a fact. And the mind constantly wishes to refute that fact. So when people talk about a struggle, a conflict, so much conflict, between sometimes they call it the good and the bad, the happy and the sad, health and illness, it's, it's, that's the world of duality where we're, we're in a state of conflict and we can't be at peace and just rest. Sometimes we can for a little while, but then that conflict comes. And that conflict is simply coming from the mind and believing everything it's telling us and showing us and feeling we have to fight it. We have to quiet it. We have to negate it. We have to do something. But who is the we? Who is the one who feels that way? That's a good question. That's a beautiful koan. Who is that one? <laughs> who wants to negate the mind, has to get away from it, has to get rid of it, has to overcome it. We, instead, if we're absolutely still, which is what we do in, in Zen practice, of course, if we're still, we don't fight with it, we don't hate it, we don't re reject it, because as we do that, we're giving energy to it. Whatever we resist, fight, hate, push against, we're keeping it stuck. We're giving it energy. We're, we're engaged with it, and then, uh-oh, it intensifies. So what a beautiful... See, Zazen is saying, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm just sitting here. I'm not moving, meaning I'm not entangling myself with the mind and whatever it's bringing up. As I mentioned before, there's this beautiful book of koans, which I adore, called Entangling Vines. <clears throat> Such a beautiful title, because <laughs> we can really get entangled in all kinds of vines. We can get snared. At least it seems that way, unless we see really clearly and lovingly what's going on. 
Now, I put that word lovingly in. It's not a word we usually use in Zen, but I do feel it's an extremely important word to be included. And not just a word to be included, an attitude, a way of being, and love, to love, to accept, to appreciate, to value, to have gratitude for. It's all different ways of describing the word love. So you could say, well, how can I love this negative mind that's really bothering me? Well, you can see it for what it is. You can appreciate this phenomena in the world that's happening. You can, maybe there's something it's trying to teach us. <sighs> so when we approach it with gratitude, love, non-fighting, we're not fighting it, we're not hating it. That itself, that attitude really, really begins to alter everything, everything. The conflict, the struggle. Another word for love is becoming one with. Now, I don't mean identifying with it, but it means deeply allowing it to be, to come, and then it will go. It goes. You get to see what it really is. You know, there's a beautiful, um, I just thought of it recently. Uh, I think it's a Hindu story where a man woke up at night in his room and suddenly he looked on the floor and he was terrified. He saw this poisonous snake coming at him with gleaming eyes and, oh my goodness, he couldn't move. He was frozen in the bed. Oh my God, how can I be safe? How can I get out of the bed? What am I going to do? How am I going to kill the snake? On and on. And finally, he just leaned over to the side and he pulled on a light, the light, the lamp. He pulled on it on quickly. It just came to him, turn on the light. So he did. And when he did, he saw that what seemed to be a snake coming at him was a rope on the floor, just a rope. What happened to all his fear then? It completely vanished. What happened to his terror, his heart pounding? Fine. He saw what was there for what it was, the projection of the mind onto the rope. This is poison, this is terrible, you're going to be killed, all of that. Vanished, vanished instantly because he turned on the light. Well, I love that story. That's a wonderful story for our life. <clears throat> when we turn on the light, when we see through that illusion, and the mind is a master of illusions. That's what it does. It has fun. It creates illusions night and day. But when, and when you turn the light on, when we sit, when we see, when we don't fight, we see that this, what seems to be a poisonous snake, is nothing more than a rope. What seems poisonous, dangerous, awful in our life is nothing much when we see through that fear and that illusion. So this is a very fantastic process. It's a very crucial process these days, tremendously important because everybody has a different view, a different opinion, different facts even, different realities. We're swimming in a sea that could look like a sea of madness, but we must remember, 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 we are 
basically filled with original clarity, light, sanity, goodwill. <laughs> That's who we essentially are. In Zen practice, that is called Buddha nature. In other practices, we name that in it with another name. But that original sanity cannot be disrupted, ultimately. It can be clouded over by the mind, but it cannot be taken away. It's yours. It's everyone's. And we can return to it. And that's what we do when we return to the cushion, when we sit, when we look, when we listen, when we don't identify with all the phenomena that come to us. There's a beautiful little poem, sitting quietly, doing nothing. It looks like we're doing nothing. That's a very active doing nothing. Spring comes and the grass grows by itself. What do you have to do for the grass to grow? Nothing grows by itself. So you're, you, you will also grow by yourself. You'll bloom. Spring will come in your life too, just sitting quietly, ostensibly doing nothing. Meaning you're not engaging, you're not struggling, you're being, just being, and allowing and watching, and spring comes, clarity comes, blossoms come all by themselves. I wish you a beautiful, beautiful day. Thank you for listening. Pretty soon, in the early fall, I will have a wonderful, I hope wonderful, <laughs> little Zen introductory workshop on Zoom, and you'll all be invited if you care to come. Anyway, have a beautiful day. And my uh, email, if you want to communicate with me, is topspeaker at yahoo.com. And the uh, URL for this podcast is www.zenwisdomtoday.com. Okay, see you next week. And- Have a great day.